Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Hey, welcome back to Caustic Content. My name is Steve. And as always, joining me is Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. Myros, how you doing? I'm, uh, yeah, you know, it's Caustic Content. It is. is Oh boy, is it ever. Uh, what a great week we've had. And if you're listening for the first time, this is the podcast where two lifelong friends try to find the absolute worst thing streaming on the internet and then pit those movies head to head. And wouldn't you know, we have a deciding vote here for us today. Uh, Jack Eason is joining us. Jack, how you doing? Steve, it was a mistake to do this. <laughs> It's a co- common refrain from our guests. Is they just they just come on the show and they seem exasperated. They're just overwhelmed by You're, what we put them through. Yeah, what are, what are you doing with your lives? What what is this? What's happening here? Uh, I we we hate ourselves and each other. That's what it kind of comes down to. But yeah, I, I think a lot of people are like, oh, ha, ha, bad movie podcast. That's fun. Is it like how it gets made? No, this is some dark shit. We're gonna fucking wreck you. So here we are. Uh, Myros, why don't you uh, give our listeners and Jack a quick rundown of the rules so uh, they know what we're dealing with here? Uh, yeah, no problem. Jack's already been asking. He, he doesn't know uh, the format, which is uh, it's saying something. Even even our uh, regular co-hosts uh, can't be bothered to listen <laughs> to this track. Dear friend, won't even bother. Won't even do his homework. Not To say nothing of the fact that our, our new regular co-host is uh, after one week gone absent <laughs> because of the grueling task at hand. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, he broke two computers. That's actually, I don't know, I think it's impressive. Well, he probably did it intentionally to get out of watching these two films. Um, I didn't even think that. Yeah, that's a great plan. <laughs> okay. Too late now. Smash your, compu- smash your new laptop, Jack. It's a great idea. <laughs> I just downloaded firmware. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. So the rules, we don't have many, but we, uh, we are only allowed to use what the streaming service provides us in this enterprise. A lot of people seem to think we only use Amazon Prime. That's not necessarily true. We can use any streaming service. Uh, we just always use Amazon Prime because they house all the shit on Earth. Uh, every terrible movie, pretty much on Amazon Prime. Uh, we are also, we stay away from found footage films because uh, I can only watch... Uh, Maybe uh, 200 films about uh, a crew investigating a paranormal, whatever, insane asylum and staying overnight. And I've I've seen my lifelong limit on that particular format. So I don't know. Sounds spooky and original. It's it's great. <laughs> I ran into a couple when I was researching for this episode. Uh, we also have what we call our Godfrey Ho clause, which is to say, only one film per director. Uh, we in fact have a filmmaker in this very episode who, who is much like Godfrey Ho, someone who we could return to again and again and, uh, probably win every time. But, uh, that, what fun is that? Uh, they could also not be anything either of us have previously seen. Uh, we like to keep these things fresh for ourselves and for you, the listeners. And that's really it. We have kind of a, a soft rule on Georgia, the, uh, Atlanta film credit or what have you has, has caused us a lot of pain in the past and, uh, we're skeptical of films uh, coming out of Georgia, but for the time being, uh, we'll put that aside. Yeah, Georgia remains on probation. You you want to know a weird thing I learned recently? Just as a regular, a, a totally weird non sequitur. Okay, so there's a super popular show on Stars called Outlander, and it's basically just hot people humping in the 1700s in Scotland. 
but there's time time travel involved yeah yeah i don't know i didn't really keep up with it but what i do find is there's time travel involved and at a certain point the show goes to georgia the state of georgia they go there in like colonial times and i assume that was like specifically because tax credits but no Mm. this american show films entirely in scotland and transformed scotland into georgia for the purpose of shooting oh god sequences (laughs) how do you even do that that is utterly bewildering business decisions i would just absolutely blew my mind what does that even look like just like welcome to georgia do you want some iron brew (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah i would assume it's a bunch of people pretending to be warm yeah some of our european listeners need to mail me some fucking iron brew man i need that sugary orange soda it's the number one selling soda in scotland sells better than coca-cola friends good stuff Mm mm-hmm and then if you really want to party, you get the can of uh, Iron Brew and you get the bottle of Buckfast, you mix it together, get that Bucky Brew going, and then you slam it. Then you party. This all sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's not a good idea. You don't want to drink it's tonic a, wine and, and sugar death water. It, it's a lifestyle choice, certainly. Yeah, and you have to wear a tracksuit while you do it. That's important as well, I've learned. <laughs> anyway... Uh, I guess we should we should jump right into things. So uh, let's start with my movie. And, you know, Christian films have had a, a spotty reputation on costed content. Uh, some wins, some losses. You, you never really know what you're going to get. Usually they, they tend to have a slightly higher budget because, uh, you know, the Jesus folk, they like to open their purses up and hand out money to assholes making movies. And wouldn't you know, this is another example of that. The Open Door from 2017. So, Myros, what is the open door? Oh, you know, Steve, I'm I'm sure in your childhood you encountered this. I I was just telling Jack about it off air, where where we had these things called uh, feature films for families, where they just uh, mailed your insane Christian parents uh, milk toast things that no Mm -hmm. one could be bothered to watch. Uh, This is that. Like, I don't even know. It's not, like, especially faith-based. It's just the most fucking white bread piece of nothing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, This is a movie about gang warfare, my friend. So uh, hold your tongue. (laughs) Hold your tongue. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I was kind of drawn to this because I watched the trailer and there was some some pretty spotty acting. And all I could discern from the trailer was Jesus, a cognitively disabled man, and then that man also has like a, a, a foot fetish or a shoe fetish of some sort. Uh, so I thought, well, that sounds like a winning combination. And, you know, maybe it is. Uh, I thought I was actually, I was prepared to take the loss. I was ready for it. I was like, this could be hilariously stupid. I'm ready to take the L. I, I, I think this is going to be more entertaining than whatever Myros picks. And then wouldn't you know, they rolled out one of the most boring things I've ever seen in my entire life. So uh, kudos to the filmmakers on that one. This is the second straight episode where one of us has consciously tried to uh, uh, throw the match and uh, we both (laughs) failed miserably in picking uh, impossibly boring films. It's like I feel like I'm like doing illegal sports betting, but I I continue to like bet on the wrong team. It's just it's maddening. Up is down on this fucking podcast. It's a nightmare. Uh, Jack, what did you think of the open door? How, how exciting was it for you? A real, a real life-changing experience? Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, I, I had no idea what I... Because uh, I watched the trailer uh, based on your recommendation, and 
I mean, absolutely. How how do you turn down a film about a boy in his shoes and a guy who literally accosts a woman in a park by pulling out one of those foot measuring devices they have in shoe stores uh, for like a presumably comic relief in a scene? It, it's a, a strange, strange film. Uh, as as Adam says, it's not really like it's it's very evidently Christian, but not really like. It's Christian in the way that it's just kind of boring and not really, like, focused on real life at all. It's, like, kind of pointlessly positive without actually doing any work whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but they don't talk about Jesus that much. But they have several scenes at a church. Um, also, um, the, the main guy, I don't even know if, like, he, he's autistic, but I don't know if they ever say he's autistic. No. I don't actually recall if they ever explicitly say he just has has special needs like in heavy square scare quotes but then they like try and like dampen that down by saying we're yeah, all yeah, special needs. Yeah, I was going to say, Jack, like, I mean, we all a- have special needs. It's, it's not really fair to single out <laughs> yeah, this gentleman. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks to a beautiful monologue yeah. near the film's end. Well, I, I thought it was the film's end, but then it went on for like another 30 <laughs> minutes. This movie ends yes. about eight different times. Uh, yeah, time does not function in this space. It's a very dis- disorienting kind of journey. Yeah, there's, there's a very moving uh, uh, monologue that's delivered by the character Roy, who is played by David Ruprecht. And if that name doesn't ring a bell, it's probably because I pronounced it wrong. But uh, also, it's because you probably don't know that he was the host of Supermarket Sweep, <laughs> which makes him a golden god in my eyes. Oh, uh, well, and I just learned something new. There you go. He's also the only guy who can really act in this movie. But that's neither here nor there. This would explain why on Letterboxd, one of the reviews for this film is just someone running down how this one guy is great in this movie and, like, growing as an actor. And it's like, who gives a shit? Like, I can't... I, <laughs> so, okay, there's just some other reason that people are honing in on this. Because, yeah, you're you're right. He is absolutely the only competent person in this film in front of a camera and it's but like it's there's not much to that he he's an ex-postal worker who remembers zip codes and that's like there's a whole scene devoted to him being able to remember zip codes and it goes on longer than you think it would oh well old people love that shit it's because maybe we're all a little autistic yeah that's that's what the movie teaches us that's what it teaches us makes you think as Roy says, when he stands in front of the church, he says, you know, when you guys were dickheads to my friend Sam last week, because he was a little special, a little special needs, maybe you forgot that we all have special needs. It's just some of us wear it on the inside and some of us wear it on the outside. It's very confusing because I mean, to, to go to the story. So basically this special needs kid who's an adult his mom dies. Like it starts off, and they escape an abusive, abusive father, and so it's a single mom, and she raises them as two adults, and they they go off, and they're adults. But the son stays with the mother, and then the mother dies, so he has to move in with the sister, and his sister does not get on well with him. Um, but he insists on going to church, and this is one of the first things that confuses me because it's you know we talked about how it's not a very front and center Christian movie. But everyone's very Christian, but no one, like at no point does anyone explain what Christianity does or why they have faith or even the nature of their faith. Yeah, I don't know what the denomination of this church is by any stretch. It's just like generic church. 
Yeah, but he insists that his sister has to get up early to bring him to church because he has to go to church because apparently he has a great faith. And his sister, who doesn't get on very well with him, decides to bring her obviously special needs brother to church without clearing it with anyone. So they make no accommodations towards him and he doesn't like loud sudden noises or closed doors. Things that occur pretty naturally in most public environments. And so he has a terrible time and it's kind of like just do basic work here. Like it just it, it this isn't difficult. Like and if she had, I feel mm. like the film would have petered out even earlier and then probably still considered continued for another hour and 20 minutes this film was like an hour and 41 minutes long so it seemed like that's respectable but it absolutely just feels like it's it's just trudging oh. through it's like a military grueling marathon I, i've never checked the time more in a movie i i don't think this is like a real four hour special that's what it feels like uh, but I'm, I'm glad you brought up oh, the and sister. Oh, it's full of Christian music. Oh, yeah, of course. Got the Christian bangers in there. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the sister, though, because not only is she a total dick who doesn't seem to care about her brother, despite the fact that their mother had just passed away. That's why he, he moves in with her. But on top of that, she seems to have, like, no fundamental understanding of his his disability or his needs or, or anything. Like, she's just completely in the dark about it. And then... Instead of just portraying her as a dick, they try to, I don't know, kind of like cover it up or excuse it in a way by framing her as an alcoholic. Although, as far as alcoholics she's go... She's like an alcoholic because she drinks like three glasses of sparkling wine. wine. Clack yeah, on a she's weekend. the worst. She's the worst fucking alcoholic I've ever seen. And uh, originally, I thought this movie took place in Canada because of the horrible accents, and then it turns out uh, it's actually rural Wisconsin, which is, you know, the same thing, basically. Um, it, do you not know these people, Steve? No, I, I mean... I assumed. So it takes place in a fictional town, but it was shot in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, which is roughly an hour from Milwaukee, so... Yeah, I assume these were your friends and neighbors. I yeah. assume it's like, that person knows Steve. These are my people. This is This is... This is like yeah. what it's like to walk in my shoes, Jack. Well, that explains why the <laughs> cast is 100% white. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Real fucking uh, white. But, I but mean, you, I, get to, you get to a point of whiteness in a film where you're glad no black person has to right, be Right, when there. they get into the gang yeah, violence. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, the Husky Boy gang. I'm like, this could get... <laughs> that rocks. There's a terrible, there's a terrible gang problem in this in this town, and it consists of like three husky white boys in their like mid twenties, and they're the the town gang. So a key plot point being that the autistic fellow solves this uh, crime spree, but then like three scenes later, the same exact people who, who he solved as the as the criminals are still are they're out on the street and beat the hell out of them. It's like what? Yeah, at large. And he solves the crime spree because they're standing outside their own, like they rob a place and they're just standing there watching the police investigate. And I mean, that that is a picture of a slow town. Like these mm -hmm. guys are, they want to get caught. <laughs> I want to know more about the pathology of the Husky White Boy gang. Well, I mean, if you're just going to get put back out on the street within uh, moments of arrest, then well, <laughs> I, I guess you just want the thrill, right? <laughs> Who's the judge? Who's the DA? And clearly they, they, they posted bail because they're white guys. I mean, let's face it. If they were black, they'd be locked up. That's just, that's just the way it goes here at Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, Madison's a really shitty alcoholic. Like, even by Wisconsin drinking standards, I'd call her below average in terms of her alcoholism. I mean, the sugar would get to her before the alcohol and half the stuff mm -hmm. she's drinking. Like, she just switched to soda. Fuck it. 
Yeah, I like how she carries a flask full of white wine, too. Just real <laughs> big fucking wine mom energy just emanating from her. Absolutely and she's love it. an artist. I mean, she's a tortured oh, artist. Yes. She, 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 she takes photographs for a living, and she's looking for inspiration. And she, I, I don't quite understand, because she has a gallery thing coming, but she has no conception of what her show is about, which I don't understand how these things occur they're like you have an entire space to fill in the gallery well she's a very you know... sought after artist this is explained Appar to us yes. she's she's like the robert maplethorpe of fort atkinson wisconsin <laughs> and then and then when when her boss the gallery owner is just like well you better have your stuff ready because uh you know blah 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 and i signed you to do your show here because it's a really competitive art scene here in fort atkinson wisconsin it's like yeah i, I bet it's very really competitive. competitive it seems to have a population of about 35 people I, I, <laughs> all of these people are just the worst <laughs> that whole plot line is like i yeah. want to fucking murder all of these idiots yeah one of the most amazing things about this like clearly christian accented movie is that all the scenes in the church the church is maybe like a quarter full <laughs> Like they couldn't oh, even. Yeah. They couldn't even pack out the church. For <laughs> couldn't even pack the pews. It's it's kind of sad. It's really sad. I also like how this is. I, I mean, it's clearly shot in what I would assume is downtown Fort Atkinson, and then like the house that Sam and Madison live at is like a farmhouse. But they seem to walk everywhere, and I'm like, man, this seems weird that a place like this would be that close to downtown. At one point, they do like a drone shot where. They they just show the whole landscape, and it looks like the town's like fifty fucking miles away. It's just like we walked <laughs> well, for nine she, hours to get to brush. She drives, she drives, but she crashes into the one trash can. She's like she's the town Frank Drebin. She can't help herself because <laughs> maybe because she drink drives. I don't know. It's not clear. Is she a bad driver? Is she drunk mm. driving? But all she does, she hits one permanently empty aluminum trash can that's it that's her whole i mean thing. i think that's that's her only like character trait <laughs> she, she <laughs> smashes into a trash can over and over again that and hating her fucking annoying brother that's mm -hmm. oh and having the decorating scent i, oh, I watched this with god we gotta she get was like that. she was just like it's like her her apartment looks like it was decorated by like a 50 year old suburbanite like it's all this weird like just bric-a-brac, but like, uh, you know, kind of like comes from Pier 1, sort of like faux antique, faux sort of like stately just shit all over the place. It just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it just looked like they, they shot in like a Michael's showroom or something. Like, it's just a fucking garish <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> this person. It's pretty I, like, horrible. I wonder what the structure of this movie was, because when it starts... She's clearly the main character, right? She th This is from her POV. And then she just kind of like leaves the movie where, where they're just like, boy, this person fucking sucks. We got to get Roy in. <laughs> <laughs> Take over the film, Roy, please. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, and it's, I mean, she is powerful. Like, you know, I did drama and high school energy, you know, like she, to, to her credit, this actress brings a kind of like a, she brings a little bit of energy to it. I do notice on Amazon, she has her own little profile, and her profile literally says that uh, my name is, you know, X, whatever her name is. And then she says, well, my married name is this, but my husband, my like lovely husband allows me to keep using this other name for work. What a swell guy. Yeah, which I think is just, you know, I mean, if whatever you need to know about the show, that's it. Like, that's... These are the people you're dealing with, just mm -hmm. fabulously unimaginative people who've constructed prisons for themselves out of shit 
that just you could have just walked away but um <laughs> yeah like not that the film would even get into any of that i mean it's it's uh, like what really gets me at the movie more than anything else is just like it's so boring it there's nothing to it at any yeah. point yeah the only thing that elevates it a little bit is the uh the, the kid who plays sam is he's not equipped to deal with the nuance of this role. So there's some unintentionally hilarious moments, uh, parts where I, I, you, you definitely aren't supposed to laugh. And then you also have the, the Roy guy who, decent actor, brings a little bit of energy and life to things, but everything around them sucks. And then as you mentioned too, uh, Megan Ann Jacobs, who plays Madison, she's, she's I, I wouldn't call her a good actress, but she has this this theater kid energy. Like she's the kind of person who comes up to you at a bar and starts talking to you about Sondheim musicals. You just want her to go away, but she's very enthusiastic. So there's that, but Jesus Christ, you could not make this any more fucking boring. And it never ends. There's like eight different logical endings to this movie. None of which are pursued. It just, it finally just like bottoms out completely. And, and that's, that's where we're left. Like really after the, uh, the gang violence, that leaves Sam in the hospital. The movie just completely goes into a tailspin. It explodes. Yeah, you'd think that that stupid shoe thing is the end of the movie, right? That's just the end of the movie. We have this stupid yeah. uh, streets lined with shoes. And yeah, he goes to the church and they're like, yay, good work, Sam. Exactly. Yeah, we're like 25 people donate 800 pairs of shoes. pairs of shoes. That part was weird. So yeah, for, for the listeners, if you haven't seen this movie and you have no intention of watching it, uh, Sam gets beat up in the park by the kids he narked out for the robbery that are in the gang. They spray paint something on him, and I want the. It's not made clear what they spray paint on him. Oh, but they show it. They show it. It's, Do they? I, yeah, I just passed out. Apparently, it's what a is big this? old juicy R word spray painted on his back. But also, it's oh. it's like clearly stenciled on there because it's like perfect <laughs> lettering. It's weird. Uh, so there, there's that. And, and then so they, they beat him up and he ends up in the hospital because they, they see him because no one came to a shoe donation. So then Roy gives his speech about how we're all special needs. And then that motivates everyone to donate a bazillion pairs of shoes. And then we have the triumphant moment where Sam walks into the church, tears in his eyes and thanks everyone. And then he pulls out his mother's, his dead mother's shoes and lays them for donation. And it's uh, it's very heartwarming. Very heartwarming. I do want to... I do want to like reel it back up because cause it's like he loves shoes and they're like, why do you love shoes? And his explanation is because shoes don't lie. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's like not wrong. Ball don't lie. He's, he's, he's not wrong, but also this could be applied to literally anything other than people. People <laughs> lie. Everything else in the world doesn't. This, you know, it's just such a... I mean, it, what's remarkable about this film is that, I mean, it ends just, spoiler, it ends in uh, with Roy creating like a, a a community center for special needs people. And they have like that staff where like they actually have <clears throat> people with, you know, learning disabilities and stuff in this like really awkward final scene. But um, the people who made this film and wrote it clearly spend zero time with them. Like there's no research done on special needs or there's no specificity to his... Uh, like, I mean, everything you you knew, you know about autism or whatever in this film, you could learn from 
under three minutes of googling it's a wikipedia like, no insight <laughs> yeah no like and it, it is impressive i mean he made a 101 minute long movie centered on an autistic person and their experience and does mm. zippo research on that nothing just nothing. couldn't give a shit like clearly not not worth their time could not be bothered well and the other thing is too is that that whole ending it's it's total like whiplash because things are basically wrapping up and then Sam and Madison are walking back to the house you know they live above Roy in this in this big farmhouse and then they see like a bunch of guys in suits uh, and and there's a sign that's covered up and they shake Roy's hand they're like oh no Roy you sold the house you didn't even tell us wah 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 all this stuff and he's just like no I'm opening a center for special needs kids and it's called two shoes and i want you guys and it's only gonna work if you if if sam if, if you're my right hand man and madison if you're my my art director it's the only way otherwise it's not gonna happen it's just like what the fuck dude like you just <laughs> you did not discuss this with anyone He's just you just fucking yeah. hatched this harebrained scheme you should have brought in your art director before you fucking designed that sign jesus christ yeah real big windows 95 energy i'm I'm as open-minded as the next person and people with special needs and everything obviously deserve, you know, space and consideration. But I'm not sure it's a great idea to hire an autistic guy without telling him first to work with other special needs people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like that could create also conflict. To hire and two problems. employees, one of whom is an art director. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and oh and because she gets her inspiration for her art show from her brother and and finds th- this great shot, like this great photograph that is the linchpin of, I guess, the, the whole film that she realizes she she captures her brother. It's a spirit of his struggle in this photo. It's a black and white photo of a dude pushing open a church door. <laughs> it's like <laughs> absolutely like Kincaid with just even worse, just the absolute like bargain basement sort of inspirational image you would think of and but of course Roy being a wonderful guy of unknown means and also terrible interior decorating taste as well it's worth noting just everything in this apartment looks like uh I don't like leather bound like everything in this apartment looks like it's a hundred years old but brand spanking new somehow it's it's an incredible uh kind of like a feat of of interior design um, but he purchases her whole, her entire art show, her entire portfolio is purchased to line the walls of this center, and it's just all just absolute like, just garbage photography. You you could pick up like if you go to an art fair anywhere in the world, probably you will find pretty similar just somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, some booth somewhere in the back, and it will be like you know mass produced like you know 10 bucks a piece 15 bucks yeah it was a yeah. I, I suppose it was a step up from her previous master work which was just a picture of a fucking sunset that someone took with her iphone ah. <laughs> yeah. you never know when inspiration will take you yeah. I, it's it's this, this whole stuff. art subplot is obscene to me this stupid art gallery owner who is equally awful and uh, is just like you're the most talented photographer i've ever seen since me it's like it's because you live in bumfuck nowhere <laughs> with 35 people in your goddamn city and uh, it's probably not a coincidence <laughs> that it can somehow support a special needs center because it's, it's so inbred that their fucking gene pool is decrepit <laughs> it is 
it is confusing. They have like 20 people in the church, 800 pairs of shoes, and enough people with special needs to require a separate center. Well, it's, yeah, and a gang of three. Welcome to world it's America. a very confusing demographic. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I was excited. I was hoping she was going to get bumped from her art show so that we'd show who her, her replacement was. Because uh, based on the town makeup here, I, I was assuming it'd be that folk art that you see at every like street fair in small towns where it's just like, I took a shovel and some springs and bent them and turned them into a rusty metal dog. Love that shit. That's what we need. But uh, unfortunately, we just got the yeah, photography. My, my, consideration, my consideration of the film was like, for a while, I was like, is this slow cinema? <laughs> and I realized, no. Well, Bellatar no, influenced <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's what slow cinema is to people who hate the idea. It's just it's it just it captures the it makes you feel the passage of time or negates the passage of time. But every single sequence, what 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 really irks me about this film, and I get what really works against it is there's kind of a competent mediocrity to everything in the film. Like mm. it's not spectacularly bad. It's just lazy. And one note, like everything in the film, like looks like no effort was made beyond like we made a movie, and like the only potential audience for this film is people who are in it. The only people who could extract any entertainment from this film are the people who were in it, who yeah. probably gathered around at a big showing at the town hall one night and watched it. And we're like, oh, there's me. Like literally, Ed, the op the credits or the the end credits for this film don't begin with the actors or anyone who made the film. It begins with like a thank you list of people. Mm -hmm. Like the whole film exists. This is just purely like just a, a social vanity project. A hundred percent. I I don't know if we source through the church or not. But anyway, yeah, what what irks me about this movie is it's kind of like, it's like the most boring film you've ever seen that kind of nails the basics. Like, it just has the basic shape of a film. It's just got no personal investment whatsoever. Like, there's no, no zero distinguished... Heart. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like, for, for a, it kind of reminds me, like, Christian rock and the Christian music played throughout <laughs> it. It's just like, it's a film with no inner life or blood to it like it is the most lifeless mm -hmm. drab boring film um in a way that makes you wonder like when these people say like you know i'm so happy because i you know i'm you know jesus loves me and he my life is i i'm honored by christ and he's i'll live forever and i'm so happy and it's like are you like is it possible that the people who made this film are incredibly happy because it doesn't read in the movie at all the movie no. sounds like you were dead inside you were just inert like inert is the film well it also yeah similarly to uh recent christian film we did road to damascus it is not like it doesn't accomplish anything in the way of like christian propaganda per se there's nothing about this film that makes me want to head over to church it doesn't reflect any particular value set associated with any particular faith frankly it's just kind of like what are our interactions with the church in this film basically the first priest at the funeral uh our our main character uh madison is it yeah i think so uh she basically is just like gives a, a standard like falling out of faith thing like why would god do any of this shit and he's like oh 
And then, so they go to the new town and go <laughs> to this really church, and all the prisoners are like abject fucking assholes to, to the special needs guy, <laughs> and just like fucking gawk at him the entire time he's in the church. And when he, well, to be fair, she gave no heads up, so maybe they just think he's just he maybe he's one of the gang. He's a husky white boy fair too. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. He could be just there to. But I'm just looking at it from the frame of it's a Christian movie. You're trying to make like, oh yeah, here in the church. Everyone accepts sure, everyone agreed. accepts these people, you know. This is we're all equal in yeah. the eyes of God. And instead it's just like, no, your prisoners are just shallow fucking assholes who don't help out with this charity drive until a guy gets like beat to death. But but they learn they, they learn a beautiful lesson, which is you can put up with special needs people by building them their own place and putting them But really there. only one person did that. <laughs> Yes, and it's great. Everyone else can really learn to like special needs people because they don't have to fucking deal with them in their space anymore. It's a really beautiful message. uh, (laughs) Like, really, yeah, in terms of, like, this selling a Christian ideology or Christian lifestyle, the only way anyone could look at this and be like, I want to be part of this is if you were genuinely at rock bottom (laughs) and you're like, "I I will take just lifeless fucking like just mundanity over what i have right now like i am living in chaos you know i'm addicted to smack or whatever Mm -hmm. i you know what i will take just sitting in a restaurant uh, and having someone scold me for having like two glasses of wine with dinner uh one of the most confusing things actually is that restaurant scene um because it looks like they mocked that up that's not a real restaurant for sure they like got little boots and everything um and it's the most confusing thing in the world to me because it looks so fake but it's also like they couldn't find a restaurant that would let them film there it's a really weird disconnect and it makes me suspect that like this film had zero backing outside of like the 30 people thanked in the credits like not even the real like church supports this i don't yeah weird disconnect on this thing it just feels like a weird vanity project that Mm. uh a vanity project that honestly just if uh, these people are just beyond hope they're just incredibly boring i cannot imagine being stuck here i feel like if you if you lived in this community you would run away and you'd bring a copy of the open door to show people so they would never turn you away and make you go back again jack one of the things we like to do anytime we're we're looking at a christian movie is we constantly come across the question of what are you trying to sell me uh, in Fireproof, they're trying to sell you a book about being nice to your wife and not jacking off to pictures of a boat on the internet. Uh, Road to Damascus, they're basically selling the church itself as, you know, something you got to get with. And with this one, uh, wouldn't you know, Salty Earth Pictures, who produced this lovely film, <laughs> uh, company of our esteemed director. So they understand with the connotation of that name, by the way, it doesn't sound like salt of the earth. It sounds like someone's like sprayed semen all over the earth. <laughs> well, that's kind of what they do. Uh, they have a program called Souls for Jesus, which is your classic mission trip wherein you get a bunch of precocious white kids to go on a poverty tour of uh, Africa oh. and, uh, you know, give them some shoes, I guess. What a what a great what that's, a great experience. That's the one thing Africa could never have is fucking <laughs> shoes. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way around it. You just got to give them 
the 800 pairs of shoes you have. Yeah, that's no the only reason. converts this movie got is, is people who just like looked in their closet and were like, why do I have a thousand pairs of shoes? I better join the church to get rid of these fucking things. <laughs> oh, there and you again, go. like, I mean, the foot fetish, like, conception would be interesting, but there's no, there's like, no sex in this it's movie. just like shoes because they don't lie. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah no, there's, there is no rough edge or intrigue to anything here. It is the most boring like i mean the, the whole script seems like it was written to uh kind of you know like a three-act structure but like with zero vetting of like is any of this working it just it just trundles along in the most absolutely just boring fashion um yeah yeah just oh wow this was great thanks guys really enjoyed there's not this. even like a, a chase relationship in this movie there's nothing even though it's like totally set up again. I, I feel like this is the first draft of this movie because uh, Madison's whole initial arc seems to be like romance centric. Like, oh, uh, she's got 700 rom-coms on her table or something. And again, her fucking apartment. Jesus Christ. But yeah, like I, I thought maybe this was a, a denomination outside of Catholicism, presumably where this uh, hot new fucking pastor or whatever was going to woo her or something because he did, yeah, Ow. he does have, like, kind of, like, sexy priest vibes, but, you know, like, in the concept of, like, I saw a movie once with a sexy priest, and it was, like, a very loose, like, recreation of that. Um, Roy also kind of, like, strikes me as, like, maybe gay, but they just, they didn't do it. He has a, does he have a dead wife? No, he did not marry because he was coincidentally leading the exact oh, same never- life as Madison, where he had to take care of his autistic brother and gave up, uh, his <laughs> first life. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. so, so he sets so her up so she could be trapped in the same yeah. way. Yeah, beautiful. But yeah. giving her a job that she never asked for so she can quit her art job, apparently, well, I guess. Cause I don't think she has much of a future in that, frankly. Yeah, she's probably yeah. doing her a favor, honestly. That's probably the most credible part of the whole thing. It's like, no, no, sweetie. No, come on. Come here. It's okay. No one needs your photos of a man at a door. <laughs> um, well, well, Jack, <laughs> you know, we're, we've been shitting on this movie, but uh, oftentimes when we do a film for cost of content, there are uh, different opinions out there. You know, people, people really love this stuff. So I, I pulled a couple of good ones. Uh, this one is from Demonic 2 uh, from Amazon. Says uh, the headline is Outstanding Movie, Strong Christian Values. And he says... Demonic would know about these things. Yeah, he would. I randomly did a search for Christian movies and selected this one. So funny how your urge for God just blessing you beyond your expectation. That's not really so funny how your urge for God just blessing you beyond your ex. I don't know what that means. This was a true blessing of love, understanding, commitment to community, and Christ's commitment to us reflected in this film. Watch this film and you will find a blessing in and through it to help you in your journey to Christ. And then he signs it, Dom the God Chaser, exclamation point. Five stars. I feel like I feel like I watched this movie wrong. Then. This guy is fascinating Damn. to me. I gotta say, because his name is okay. Demonic, which is it's with an A, but nonetheless, it's awfully close uh, considering your espoused beliefs. And his name is Dom, so wouldn't it at least be Dommonic mm-hmm. or something? But Dommonic. Also, he misspelled so. he All misspelled right. the word Christian, which seems like a pretty key uh, tenant in this mm. particular. Kind yeah, of that's kind of a big one for him. You'd think you'd get that one down. Aren't we all special needs? <laughs> no, we are. We all have our special needs. All right. Well, and here's another one from Amazon user Tree, <laughs> and uh, the <laughs> the headline on this one reads: "Great message." <clears throat> 
I recommend this movie to all space exclamation point space. This film is a family movie intended for all audiences. I see the simile. Imperfect people, imperfect film equals perfect love. Should should someone tell her that's not what that means? Uh, <laughs> so sorry, sorry. The movie is made bad to further the message of the. This is incredible, Martian mm. Marshall McLuhan yeah. theory being thrown. Yeah. At me the medium, the medium remarkable. is the message. Uh, this film is about loving others through our actions and not just empty words. The film demonstrates that most people are selfish, whether they realize it or not, and encourages uh, encourages us to be better for the kingdom of God by the grace of God. This film convicts everyone of us for only loving those whom we understand the most we take the easy way out and there is no growth in it we are called by god to love the lord with all our hearts minds and souls and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves the film introduces loving others gently and it is a great message for both the milk drinkers and the meat eaters what what the fuck? i can appreciate the message in this film even if the quality was not up to Hollywood standards <laughs> beauty comes wrapped in many types of packages this movie is intended to grasp at a person's heart and conscience even if it's in its very raw form. I think that is what makes it so beautiful. I say that if a person can get past all the B-quality stuff and allow God to speak to them through imperfection, semicolon in a weird place, that person is well on their way to being more like Christ because they heard like a child would. You cannot please the Lord without the faith like a child. The Lord does not listen to the prideful, arrogant man, but he turns his ear towards those who are humble. Humility and love are Christ-like qualities. Love is an action word. This film demonstrates it beautifully. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that God causes everything to work together. This is some NIV shit. Give me some King James. Come on, dog. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That is some straight up gobbledygook. I have no idea what this person is fucking (laughs) talking about. That's impressive. She she actually says Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, I'm so it's so close. She might as well just go with smelly wood if she's gonna do it. Just go I mean, for I'm it. just wondering yeah. what the distinction is between a milk drinker and a meat eater. Are those the two types of people in Wisconsin, <laughs> Steve? Uh, n- no, I think you're usually both in Wisconsin. <laughs> a, what is are true Christians vegan? Is that? But that doesn't fit going? either of these categories, you know. I, well, exactly. No, but it was are both of those bad? I don't know. Or non-ethical go- vegetarian? I don't, I don't. Yeah, like where do you? <laughs> I don't know. Really where I'm, I'm not sure what it's trying it's to a say. A lot of nuance. Yeah. Yeah, we well, missed a lot. I guess here. that the, the point what of the review world. that I would take away is that they seem to think the the major problem with the movie is its budget, its B movie nature, which is the opposite of the case. Frankly, the production value on this is <laughs> is light years ahead of what we're usually dealing with, and and totally acceptable. It's, the problem is that every yeah. time that like David Ruprecht is not on the screen, it's a fucking like total total absolute slog and has nothing to say at all (laughs) i'm inclined to believe i'm inclined to believe that um yeah like i don't think any of these people ever listened to a cost of content episode as as much as it pains me to say because i I think they would have seen some worse shit than this so yeah i think i think it's impressive that that both of these reviewers seem to have just internalized the film being bad to say it's good (laughs) which Mm -hmm. seems like kind of a cult mindset that's a 
you know, set them. They should set themselves free. They they deserve better. Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree. Well, thankfully we can move on from this movie. So, Maros, let's uh let's talk a little bit about your film. You chose a movie from a director that maybe someone has heard of. So, perhaps if you are an avid um like Z grade horror fan, you may have heard of the Polonia brothers or Mark Polonia. Uh, they created the straight-to-video 80s classic Splatter Farm. Splatter Farm is genuinely entertaining. I think they made it when they were teenagers. It's it's rough around the edges, but it's fun and it's weird. They also made a little movie called Feeders. Mm-hmm. Now, why is Feeders significant? Great question. The answer is, you may remember Feeders. In fact, if you go look up the cover for it right now, it may ring a few bells. And that's because... In 1996, right around like Men in Black, uh, you know, uh, Independence Day, Will Smith, Alien Fever, they released this alien horror movie with an alien on the cover, and people were just like, fuck it, aliens. And it became the number one most rented independent feature at Blockbuster Video in the year 1996. So I'm sure you've seen it around. You've probably watched it. Uh, There was also a Christmas-themed sequel called Feeders 2, Sleigh Bells. Perhaps you've seen that too. But outside of Splatter Farm and Feeders, the Polonia Brothers um, have been making movies, God, for like 30 years, and they continue to make them. Uh, Well, Mark does. Uh, His brother, unfortunately, passed away. And Myros, you chose one of three (laughs) uh, Polonia Brother films from 2020, Amityville Island. So I'm going to let our esteemed guest handle this one. Jack, what is Amityville Island? Steve, I don't know. I don't know either. That's why I passed <laughs> it to you. This is a. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, my main question watching this film, and uh, like I shot it over to you guys, was: Is this a sequel? And it seems like none of us are quite sure. Who could tell? Uh, the film opens with a woman who has obviously been introduced in the film. She she's not established, I'm guessing, from anywhere else. And she's driving along, talking to her mom, talking about how she's escaped an abusive relationship, and she's got her kids in tow and she set up an Amityville and she's very happy to you know be starting a new life and then she goes by kind of a, a, a yard sale and she she's gonna clear it out because she's very money conscious because because uh, mm-hmm. she's you know just escaped and she she needs you know stuff for her kids so she goes over and she meets this crazy woman frankly just crazy just very weird standoffish person mm-hmm. uh, and she buys everything in the rummage sale without ever discussing price which is a, an interesting tactic and she loads it all into her into her truck but then we, we realize there's some kind of a curse uh the 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 woman who was a realtor for a house that's behind it that is not part of the film at all <laughs> she she talks about how bad things happened at the house and bad things um we don't see the house that's why they're selling this like literally just one table's worth of stuff came from this entire house that bad things happened at and then she after our main character ostensibly our main character has left this this woman uh kills herself because a demon obviously determines that she has failed him and she she pulls a gun out of her pocket and shoots herself mm-hmm. um and then our our main character goes home and in in frankly the best scene of the entire <laughs> film uh, he encounters a doll and the doll's like eyes flash red and there's obviously some kind of demonic transference out of some putting me off come on I'm, I'm trying to zeroing in on what this is about okay and so she she gets this like 
demonic possession and she murders her children it's implied it's it's virtually cinematic the way it's done she pulls these knives out and she kind of rotates them for the camera just so you're absolutely certain they're knives um it's kind of a strange deliberation but anyhow it's it's kind of implied she kills her kids next thing you know she's in prison after this i don't really know the film becomes extremely confusing well, and this is where it's interesting because <laughs> I know, I know we're not supposed to look things up, so I, I didn't look anything up until after we watched the movie, okay? I'm, I'm trying to do what I can here to, to follow the rules. Any clarification is appreciated. Okay, I'm okay. lost here. So, Mark Polonia, in the last five years, has made two other movies with Amityville in the, the title. So, he made a movie called Amityville Exorcism in 2018, I think it was, and that one, I believe, is related to this movie because it has that that doll in it from the opening sequence. Uh, th- this movie also has a 2018 copyright, but it has a 2020 release date probably on Amazon. Sh- probably so, shot okay. it back to back. And then in 2015, Mark Bologna actually made a movie with Eric Roberts. Shout out Eric Roberts. Uh, Holy co- shit, really? Uh, well, he's, uh, I don't I'm, think he plays a prominent role, but he made the cover, uh, so good I for know him. Eric Roberts is in everything, like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I could get Eric Roberts right of my house if I bought the plane ticket. Right. But, yeah, we, like, we can get Eric Roberts. You want some Eric Roberts? And once we get a few more Patreon subscribers, we'll get you an Eric Roberts. Uh, but he did a movie called Amityville Death House, so I'm thinking this is the third movie in the series, but the part that's kind of difficult for me here is... The movie is all slapdash and confusing and weird in the beginning, and you get the feeling like you're watching a sequel. Okay. But it gets really fucking confusing once it moves away from the the lore of the previous two films and gets into, like, what this movie is actually about. This movie. I, I, and it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. I have no, no idea it turns what's going into, on. Like, it turns into, a, like, a Jean-Claude Van Damme prison fight movie and, like, Fortress. Like, it, it, yeah, it, it turns into, like, a futuristic... The, the women, uh, this the main character woman pairs with another woman who then really becomes the main character because she's the only person who talks for almost the rest of the film. And they're both convicted murderers, and they're on death row, but they're ported away from death row to be put on this experimental island, where it turns out they're scientists doing experiments to breed super soldiers. All of this is relayed in an incredibly awkward, like, found videotape sequence, like, interviewing, mm-hmm. like, a previous uh, prisoner. And so they have to escape from this place, and there's implants, so it's like, you know... Yeah, I get like Battle Royale or a, or Fortress or a bunch of other like futuristic prison dystopian movies. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's very weird because yeah, it, it starts off in the early stages with the Amityville stuff, and you have like there's there's these scene, it does like the thirteen ghosts kind of like like scare cuts, like where it just crashes into like footage of like a nurse in a gas mask with an axe mm-hmm. who is nothing. She does not appear anywhere else in the film. There's nothing to do with her at all. And it's kind of like, is this lore? Is this just avant-garde experimentation? I have no idea. And by no the problem. end of it, it's just two women, one of whom is basically just looks stone. She's like in a trance for the whole film. There's some demon somewhere that gives powers, I guess, that emerge ever so often. And then just a couple of scientists who talk about how little regard they have for women because they're trying to breed super soldiers. And That's right. Yeah, this is yeah. I'm I'm if I'm all over the place explaining this, I don't like. I don't think you could coherently put it together. It's oh, absolutely a not. Very. 
it, like it's, yeah, it's frankly, a tr- you're like taking it easy because the the whole like saying they're trying to breed super <laughs> soldiers seems like a, a simplification of what I could parse out of it. They seem to be trying <laughs> yeah. to breed clones of one of the two scientists to become the future of mankind uh, via yeah, it's like injecting some master race eugenics yeah, shit. by injecting nanites into women's wombs so that they could birth said clones, which somehow <laughs> turns them into uh, paper mache shambling zombie <laughs> turns them into like a zombie ground like lucio fulci zombie zombie but like on on like party city budget uh yeah it's and there's a bear but like the movie has a shark attack and a bear attack and like it's got these like big action set pieces that mm-hmm. don't you know that i mean a big action set pieces but <laughs> delivered on a dollar budget um it's really and it's really confusing. Um, this is one of these films where I like it's a great offset to the the open door because if the open door is a film where like almost nothing happens, where it's just like almost like just inert dead air through most of the scenes, Amityville Island is seventy one minutes long and like things happen constantly. Everything like, happens. Every, <laughs> every scene is like a big set piece like every scene is like a like you you really like wishing like please just <laughs> slow down and talk to each other so i can figure out anything <laughs> that's happening and it won't it refuses to i don't know and it kind of it, there, there's a it real beauty to this though there's there's a real there's a real beauty to it because there's so first of all unlike the open door there's there's a real earnestness to this movie. Like you can tell that it's being made with love, even though it's complete fucking nonsense the entire time. Second, it does my favorite thing that horror and cheap exploitation films often do, which is the title and the cover have literally nothing to do with what you're watching on screen. So if you if you look up the poster for Amityville Island, you'll see a gigantic shark with glowing red eyes about to swallow a woman who's like snorkeling or something. And that does not happen. None of that happens. It's not anything. And the tagline there for the movie... There is a shark. Th- there's a shark for 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds. It has as much screen time as the bear that also has glowing red eyes and less screen time than the attack dogs, which are a big focus of this movie oh, for some geez. reason. Okay, so but to be the, fair, the, I don't the think tagline, the, the tagline of Amityville Island... The tagline of Amityville Island is, for God's sake, get out of the water. <laughs> when are they in the water? They are never in the water. They're on a boat That's for true. three seconds. That's a really good point, because even the shark attack, it's the shark that exits the water to bite the guy's head on the boat. So yeah, no one is in the water at any Zero point people. in this movie. So, Zero. To be fair, I don't think the shark... As much as every single other thing in this movie has glowing red eyes as the demonic force jumps from human to bear, I don't think the shark actually does. The shark is never possessed. The shark is just some unrelated. <laughs> I think the shark has fucking, eyes. Uh, I think early the- Windows <laughs> graphic just <laughs> zips around. So, so you you think the prison guard, the cruel prison guard, who's killed by the shark, was just like a victim of a completely unrelated? It does freak seem of so. The demon was not unrelated even present at this, per, at this point. He was he was well separated from the the demonically possessed woman. It was just a freak shark attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I, I God, I just I, I love the we don't give a fuck attitude, but also. There's just there's so much love in everything. Like there's this there's this one scene that 
I think it's like a like a flashback, but they 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 show it like three or four times. But it's a woman, and she's handcuffed, and she's like handcuffed to a wall, and clearly she's supposed to be handcuffed to like a hook, like hanging with her her arms up. But they just put a fucking plastic command hook on the wall, and she's just handcuffed to a command <laughs> hook. That. It's, it's so like, good. Has she tried standing up. <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, that, and that's one of like two great handcuffing gags because earlier in the film with the two like high security prisoners who are on death row are being transported to the to this like, uh, ex, you know, experimental facility. Firstly, they're being transported in a medium sized civilian SUV. And it's like just okay cool no grid at one point they're even able to attack the drivers because there's no grid between them and the no. drivers which because they know, just borrowed their okay. uncle's rav4 <laughs> yeah it's it's just like a regular just jeep but uh, at a certain point i noticed when they get out of the the, the truck towards the end of that sequence the, the one of the actresses is clearly like trying to reaffix her handcuffs while she's standing there in like the long shot, like the the handcuff has clearly fallen off, and she's like trying to hold it in place to like sell us the the incredible you know image of of <clears throat> I guess of her her inevitable fate at this place. Um, yeah, I guess what what gets me about this movie is just that um, like it feels like all the dialogue in the film was shot in one shot like no one talks to anyone in this film or you know very rarely do they talk to anyone and um, so much of the dialogue is just someone either talking to themselves or talking to someone else but they are not on screen with them so like as it cuts between conversations or people explaining the storyline and i feel like a lot of the explaining the storyline just came in when they were editing and they were like Fuck, I don't know. Nothing, nothing what are we going to do with paper mache Frankenstein? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to, like, we need, we need someone to say something to get us to what we have footage for. So every line of dialogue here feels like it exists in a vacuum. Like, and, and the, the energy and the tone of each line seems to just change for each sentence. It's a very disorienting on top of the fact that, like we've explained, the, the storyline is bewilderingly complex and also mm -hmm. completely generic. You like, know, the, the thing that I no respect, new though, ideas here. there's no, like, wink-wink, nudge-nudge bullshit, right? It's, they, they play this straight. This is a, this is a serious they movie. They do. It's totally serious. And on top of that, it's serious, but they don't care that, like, they know that you're going to see the seams, basically. And they're like, fuck it. We're, we're dedicated to this. Like, God, Paper Mache Frankenstein, this is just, this is pure art, okay? Because Paper Mache Frankenstein, when, when he or she or it appears, um, which you need to, if you're listening right now, just watch this movie. It's 70 minutes. Don't, you need to see Paper Mache Frankenstein. When, when, when Paper Mache Frankenstein rises up, okay? There's just this rise up and it got the arms out going like, Arr. and then. Flat, fast forward like 15 minutes and paper mache frankenstein is tragically shot to death and when he, when he's shot all they do is they just they show the gun going like bang and then they 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 switch to the shot of him rising up but they just play it in reverse and he just goes down <laughs> it's hard it's to see in that mask so beautiful I mean, 
To, to be fair, paper mache Frankenstein attacks the scientist first with like a whole machine gun and this creature is just looming towards him and he's just talking to himself about nothing. <laughs> like filling us in on like, well, we shouldn't have direct, we, you know, you, I learned from you that we should only put the nanobots directly in the uterus because if we put them in other parts of the body, you apparently turn into paper mache Frankenstein, that's what happens. And he's just talking to himself about this while the creature gets closer and closer and then eventually overpowers him because that's how guns work. You know, you can't use one if the person is already strangling you. It doesn't really work out so well. Um, yeah, it's... And also, I like the way he said it. The, the mask is just in the head. He is fully human. Oh, pants. Totally, and it's yeah. supposed to be a woman, yes, I yeah. believe. But they, this is a man in a mask, mm-hmm. 100%. Unless you found a man with a uterus, who knows? Uh, not beyond the realms of possibility within this film, frankly. That would be one of the more credible parts. Yeah, so this thing comes into existence because they injected it with too many nanites. Or maybe it's nanobots, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, or nanite. I think a nanite is They're just the same a thing, but one of them sounds like stupider, a... so they yeah. probably said nanobot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I'm working already to scrub this film from my memory, so I don't. Yeah, I don't this, recall. So I think it's a little, <laughs> it's a little misleading to say that this is confusing because it's a sequel. Because I don't think that any of this plot in this film is featured <laughs> in another movie at all. It's a sequel in that there was a, another movie that was a haunted house that had a doll that possessed people. Not any characters in this film. Uh, that's just unneeded backstory that has nothing to do with the remainder of the film whatsoever yeah. and is therefore just confusing to anyone who would possibly pop the thing on. Yeah, no, it, it's like the main the main character is possessed by the evil yeah. doll and she murders her family, which sends her to prison, but once she's in prison she embarks on an entirely separate I narrative it, that doesn't really relate back to yeah. the, 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 the demon who is just, again, a, a guy in like a red robe and with a fucking red not even like a featureless red mask on and yeah he looks he looks like literally like you know like the year eyes white shut came out like some dude going as like one of the sure. orgy guests like that's the demon yeah yeah much. and then so yeah. i i guess that that element of the film is only significant in that this demon has to to be around so that it can possess a bear to maul a cop and then possess a computer system <laughs> To make yeah. one of the scientists <laughs> inject himself with the thing that explodes and somehow mind controls him, and it's, I, it's I don't an incredible, know what the fuck is it's happening. It's an incredible feat. It's an incredible feat to have a film that is it's so built from just like not not just like generic tropes, but like every generic trope to a point that yeah, stuff just starts to happen with no kind of build up or explanation or kind of internal logic that yeah like the demon just happens to be there he just possesses a bear for one scene he possesses the computer for one scene we don't understand what mechanism is behind this our lead actress that we thought was our lead actress like spends most of the movie just yeah when she's out for no when reason. she's possessed she's, by the demon she cannot yeah. speak it's only when it leaves her body briefly yeah, she, that just, she can speak for whatever reason which is really funny. Like, there's some great scenes in the film like, where she is trying to keep like a neutral expe- expression, but I feel like she <laughs> settles on something just a little bit more like kind of like 
like weirdly happy like she looks kind of goofy like smiling and like whole scenes play out with people delivering you know, dialogue about really weird shit and she's just sitting in the side just looking like she's like i don't know what's happening this how did i get here um yeah yeah it's a movie. really powerful stuff well it, it is technically a movie yeah I, I do have some bad news though normally we we look for positive reviews to kind of offset us uh shitting on the movie because you know we welcome all opinions here on cost of content but wouldn't you know there's not a single positive review of amityville <laughs> island on imdb <laughs> or amazon Holy uh, shit. now uh, good news though, I did I did take a look at Letterbox and there are a few semi uh, positive reviews. There's only one five star review and it just says art <laughs> at five stars. Which how could you say no to that? Uh, there's a couple other ones that basically say the same things that we have just said, but then they're like you know three and a half stars. Sure, why not? Uh, the the thing that stuck out to me, and this is actually a good touch point, if you are interested in this movie, there's a couple of reviews here that seem to. Uh, compare it favorably to the early 80s weird, shitty zombie movie Burial Ground. I don't know if you've seen that one. Uh, but Burial Ground is interesting only because it stars uh, Pietro Barzocchini. Do you know who that is? Uh, he is, I'm guessing you don't. <laughs> he is <laughs> a guy, he's got some sort of, I think it's like a genetic disorder or something because he's He's a little person, but he's proportioned like he's not a little person. So he looks like he's a child, even though he's like, you know, 40 or whatever. Real orphan. But in Burial Ground, he plays a child, but also he, he looks like a, a tiny old man. And <laughs> the worst thing about it is, I mean, he's an Italian actor and was in Italian horror films, but... He looks like Dario Argento, but like if you took Dario Argento's old, old man head and you just plopped it on like a ten year old boy, it's super fucking weird. It's so yeah, I've heard I've heard of Burial Ground. I've never watched it, but this, this that sounds like spectacular. That sounds like yeah. it would be an experience. It, uh, I think I think Severin did a uh, a release. They did. I think I might yeah. have seen that movie with you. Yeah, uh, that's a sixteen millimeter film, isn't it? It, it might be. It's certainly cheap and shitty. So sixteen millimeter seems uh, about right. About right. And I don't. I don't even think it's directed by anyone notable. Uh, yeah, Andrea Bianacci, who has made God knows what else. Uh, yeah, nothing. Nothing. I've. Oh, strip nude for your killer. That's oh, the yeah, only yeah. other <laughs> film of his that I'm familiar yeah, with. That's notable. Notable. That's a notable. Film that does what it says in the tin for for yeah. sure. <laughs> Exactly. See, Cuff, I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna feature the review from Richard A. Cole, which says this movie is unredeemable. Oh if the had some nudity or a boob shot of the brunette with the teeth, it might have earned an extra star mm. more if full frontal. Sorry, with with the with teeth. the teeth. That's yeah. Both of the leads have teeth. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Jack. There there is Arguably, the the strangest review that I've I've ever read on Letterboxd is actually for this movie. Um, it's it's positive. Uh, it, it, it the the way it reads though it it's, it seems like it was like written by like Phil Anselmo from fucking Pantera. <laughs> uh, so here we go. <laughs> fucking movie rules! What a cunting fuckfest! Highly recommended. I forgot that bitch was shot through the whole movie. Dumb bitch! Ha! And that fucking shark was better than ten cocks. That's the review. Three stars. 
It wasn't that great. That's holy wow! I I want to find out the five. Like, what movie gets the next two stars? Where does it have to go? Uh, I I I don't know. This guy's got he's got wow, quite the profile Letterbox. Uh, Dirt Bomb seventy eight. <laughs> if you're interested, Letterbox. Great guy. I, I will admit. I I will admit. I was like I also thought while I was watching the movie that I was like. When they made movies like this in, like, the 70s and 80s, they had at least the courtesy to, like, just do shameless, gratuitous nudity and, like, sleaziness, you know? Because, like, that's, like, the cheapest thing you can do is basically browbeat someone to take their clothes off. That's, like, you know, an established time-honored tradition of the, the film medium. Um... And this is has absolutely not even a, a whiff of eroticism, not a whiff or of sensuality, n- nothing. Like it is utterly bereft of any kind of a sexual subplot, which which is interesting because it it is a women in prison film technically, and mm-hmm. has and male you know his crew a crew of prison warden and two like brutish male guards, and no not not a, a whiff of a, I think at one point maybe one of them like brushes her the warden holds one of the women's hair a bit while explaining the rules of the fight club the worst fight club in the world um (laughs) yeah they have like a scene where they have a fight and it's like rather than like staging even the most basic fight choreography the women just kind of gesticulate in front of the camera like in a point of view shot and then they put in these weird like squelching noises to simulate (laughs) people being hit and they just kind of go over and back with it but yeah, it, it is strange to me that this kind of a film exists in the horror mode on this budget level and just opts to not even do, mm. you know, exploitative nudity. You know, yeah. it, it seems like that seems like a tradition and we we're losing that. And maybe that's not the worst thing, but definitely this movie could have done with. I mean, you got to pay the actresses yeah, extra to yeah. do that sort of thing. Yeah, Polony ain't got that yeah. titty money. All right. Well, b- before we we cast our final judgment here, and, and we we vote on who the winner or the loser is in this instance, uh, man, we got Myros. If Coleman continues with these computer problems, we got to get Dirt Bomb seventy eight on the old <laughs> podcast because uh, it seems like he almost exclusively watches caustic content films. Uh, so I, I went I went back into his movies until I could find something that like wasn't a caustic content film, and he watched uh, The Wailing from twenty sixteen. And his review, he gave it four stars. Great movie. Yeah, four stars. Okay. Oh, is it worse than this? Four, oh, this yeah, is are, are more you, confusing. Are you ready for the review? It says, <laughs> a must-see movie. Total anime titties. Highly recommended. Saw it on Prime, and it was dark as cocks. So, ellipses. That's all it says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get him. Yeah, when I watch The Wailing, I'm like, total anime titties. That's all I can think about. <laughs> I don't remember that part. I don't. Rem- I don't think that is a part. I'm not sure what Dirtbomb78 was watching. You know, but, I think uh, that's slang for yeah. good. You know, the anime titties. That's what the yeah. that's what the people on the internet like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just lo- yeah, they oh, love. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I love those things. What we need to the other aspect of this podcast that we have not explained to Jack because we're very professional is that we we like to declare whether these movies are in fact curiosities or atrocities before we uh, render our final judgment here, but. Uh, Oh, I know, I know my answer is there. I think I yeah. would go ahead and say personally that, that I'm going to consider both of these to be atrocities. I, I'm not curious about either. I, I really uh, fuzzed out during both. I, I could barely tell you how uh, Amityville Island ends. I, I, <laughs> I don't recall it at all. It's gone from my mind entirely. It's, uh, 
Adam, I will back you 100% of the way. No, these... Whatever I said about these movies, if any of it sounds like it might be interesting or funny, rest assured it is not. Both of these films are really bad in a kind of, like, a way you've probably seen enough times already that you don't need to add to it. Just don't bother. Save your time. I'm actually... I'm going to split on this one because uh, I think they're both shit, but... uh, Open door, absolute atrocity. It's just, it's just boring. It's shitty. There's no reason to watch it. Uh, Amityville Island. It's, it's a curiosity. Oh, there's a lot Jesus. going on here. It's, there's, there's some things happening. It's shit, but boy, <laughs> boy, did it have me thinking. <laughs> had me thinking about some stuff. See, Steve, we're going diametrically opposed because you know I'm like the things happening is the biggest <laughs> thing that's wrong with Steve, this film. Steve, quick, tell me how this movie ends. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, the, they, they get off the island and then they, no, they, they get off. I'll tell you how it ends. They get off the island and then they go and live in the woods and then she has a demon baby. That's how oh, it ends. That's ringing a bell. It's just, that's it's not it even ends. a demon baby. It's just a shot of the guy in the face again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not a demon baby. It's the, it's the, well, it's the guy in the mask from the beginning. Yeah. It's eyes wide shut she, coming she out of her vagina. <laughs> she, keep, she gives birth to the same guy yeah. from the start of the movie bringing it Vagina all back wide in open, eyes wide shut I That's, mean and yeah. also the, okay. the demon <laughs> is not possessing her at this point it has been established to have entered the paper mache uh, Frankenstein and, and could not escape because the, the being is neither dead nor alive so I don't know how this <laughs> ending happened and also to say that she gives birth no. to well, this would be a, a misnomer because it's just clearly a <laughs> Like the same shot of the fucking guy we've seen the entire movie. It's not like he's exiting something. Yeah, it's pretty he's just cool. there. I'll tell you how the movie really ends, though. They play the same credits from the beginning at the end, <laughs> which is a f- ultimate I flex. Forgot. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Because when this movie started, I was like, I was kind of like, okay, this could be fun. This could be entertaining. Like I, I, the pre-credits piece I described earlier about you know the yard sailor whatever and killing her kids was actually, you know, relatively inviting, intriguing, okay. And then the opening credits are actually, they're pretty good. Like, they're exciting, upbeat, you got images, you know, the credits bounce in and out. You know, it's 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 pretty good. But I never would have imagined I would get to see the entire sequence a second time. The end credits are identical to the opening credits. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, I've oh. seen movies that have stretched out the end credits to like 20 minutes just to make feature length. But I've never seen them just straight up copy and paste the same credits again. No, that's that's new for me. It's uh, it's wholly original content, really. Uh, well, okay. So now, mm. now you know we we have to we have to cast our votes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make my final plea to you, Jack, for the way that you should vote. When you look at these two sure. movies, you've got the Open Door, which is from start to finish just a piece of Wonder Bread soaked in milk, just boring as shit, nothing happening. Just absolute trash. Is it, you know, from a purely like formal perspective, is it a more functional film? Absolutely. It's got the budget to do that. But where is the heart, Jack Eason? I asked that. Now, when we look at Amityville Island, is it a colossal pile of shit? Absolutely. Not going to deny that. However, certainly got some things going on. (laughs) It's got some chuckles. It's got some head scratchers. It's got some things to talk about. It's got things you have literally never seen before. I've never seen a paper mache Frankenstein. I've never seen the credits repeated at the beginning and the end of a movie. I've, there's a lot of shit in here I've never seen before. And we'll probably never see again. 
And at the end of the day, it's got heart. And Mark Polonia is a man who for 30 years has passionately made shitty-ass movies. God bless him. He's dedicated. And you could, you could see his blood and his sweat and his diarrhea in this movie. And I think that's worth something. So terrible movies, but you got to give the edge. The better movie is Amityville Island. Myros, no, go ahead. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. I, I figured the way to describe this best is that the only way you would ever be watching either of these films is if you were either drunk or uh, hungover and recovering the day after. Listen to the podcast. And, you know, if you were watching The Open Door and it was just like on cable or something, you know, when when Roy is on screen, you, you might just be like, oh, OK, whatever. This is this is this could very well be airing on TNT or something. It's kind of a boring movie that's just passing me by. And he's on screen a lot of the damn movie. As opposed to if you had Amityville on, you would just fucking lose your mind and, and shut your television off immediately because it would, it would like crack your fucking skull in half. I mean, it's hard for me to buy an argument that this is made with passion from a guy who's made like 18 movies in the last three years. It seems to me as he's shitting out things for profit at this stage. Mayhaps at one point, if you want to fuck with the Polonia brothers, then fuck with their shot on video stuff. This this digital shit, it's, it's just trash. It's no good. Get, get it away from me. All right, Jack. So you're the deciding vote here. What is the worst movie, the, the worst movie of, of this pairing here? Man, it's, you know, heavy weighs the crown here. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing this, this happens a lot on this series where people watch the first movie and they're like, oh man, that's, that's gonna win. That sucks. That's like a, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then they watch the next movie and they're like, "Oh shit!" There's like this barrel has a basement. Like I never, <laughs> I never considered this before. And I, I, you know, Steve, I went into this project and I would agree with you because I feel like, yeah, I mean, a boring movie is worse than a movie that's messy and all over the place but has things happening. You know, I feel like that's a good standard traditional wisdom to go by, particularly for like bargain basement cinema. But I'm going to surprise myself. And honestly, I'm going to side with Adam here mm. uh, because Amityville Island just has so much happening at every moment with no coherent structure or clear dramatic through line that... I found myself, I was just unable to focus on anything that was happening, even with the 71 minute runtime. Again, it's a short, sharp, snappy movie. It has, it's, it's amazing to me. It squanders everything. Like the open door is kind of funny. It's kind, it's very boring, but it's kind of funny because it's just very, just awkwardly put together. It's mm -hmm. got weird shit in it that shouldn't be there. Uh, the acting's pretty ropey. It, it kind of like it assumes an awful lot about its society and its cast and its audience and that you know you can have fun with that you crack a couple of beers i think you know i certainly did uh it, you know it kind of works out amityville island is just so in your face aggressively chaotic <laughs> frankly I, I yeah by by about the 40 minutes in i was i was checking the time on this more than open door oh, wow. i was just absolutely ready i was ready <laughs> to get the fuck out of here <laughs> so, this is a real dewey defeats truman moment for me <laughs> oh man it's it's oh man it's just all over the place it's too much but like it's too much but in a low stakes way it's not like if if anything in the movie seemed original I might be on board. Like, if one thing in the movie seemed original, I might be 
cool with it. But there's nothing in the film you haven't seen done at least somewhat better somewhere else. Way better in many cases. So yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna have to say, frankly, in terms of just abrasive caustic content, <laughs> Amityville Island is it's it. it. You could use this to clean the grungiest fucking bathroom you ever saw in your life. It would <laughs> cut through everything it is absolute unmitigated shit steve well i mean the funny thing is is both these are both these are top tier compared to some of the stuff we've done i don't know about the (laughs) amityville island is real rough man it's real rough uh i would say uh, to your point about uh, where else you're gonna see a a paper mache frankenstein my guess would be probably in the last 10 polonia brothers movies that's that's true. That's true. I'll give it's you that. It's probably not its first rodeo. I guess that, that prop yeah, that's came true. from something unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Colonia guys. Colonia Brothers can only film in the rain. Can only f- like film in dry weather. <laughs> no rain. <laughs> oh lord. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. So, if you're listening to this podcast right now, please check the description to the podcast you're listening to. In that, you'll see a link to our iTunes Plays page. Please head to our iTunes page. Give our podcast a five-star written review. You don't have to write much. Just say, podcast is good. Five stars. It's all we need. The uh, reason we need that is because uh, those reviews help us with the extremely fucked up Apple Podcast algorithm. Uh, and, you know, if, if we get more five-star written reviews, more people will see us, more people that see us, more people that listen, and the more stuff that we can create for you. Also, we have a uh, Patreon uh, patreon.com backslash optimism vaccine. And that's also the Patreon for our uh, sister podcast, Optimism Vaccine, which you can listen to on iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com or tweet at us at optimism vaccine. And Adam Myros will be standing by hitting refresh, waiting for you. Uh, if you have any suggestions for movies, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are constantly looking for new stuff, especially with Amazon nuking a lot of their garbage movies. Uh, we need any trash we can get. I would recommend sending those to me at my personal Twitter, at Steve Cuff, because I would like an edge over Adam Myros. Uh, don't give him any help. Yeah, I don't need it. it. I want two in a row. Uh, I'm other than on a hot streak. Hot streak. Hot streak. He's going. No <laughs> one is on a hot streak. <laughs> what are you guys doing? This is we're ruining our lives. That's that's basically it. You sound like my wife, Jack. I she asked me this all the time. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Just it's, it's my passion. I need to pursue it. <laughs> anyway, uh, are we all special needs? Yeah, I have my special needs, and that's that's it for me. Anyways, uh, that about wraps things up. Jack, thank you so much for uh, guest hosting with us. Appreciate it, man. It was a rough ride. Uh, so, yeah, great. Thank you. Good. I hope we made your life a little more miserable. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.